Welcome to the Art of Being a Mum podcast, where I, Alison Newman, a singer, songwriter and Aussie mum of two, enjoys honest and inspiring conversations with artists and creators about the joys and issues they've encountered while trying to be a mum and continue to create. You'll hear themes like the mental juggle, changes in identity, how their work's been influenced by motherhood, mum guilt, cultural norms, and we also stray into territory such as the patriarchy, feminism, and capitalism. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, along with a link to the music played, how to get in touch, and a link to join our supportive and lively community on Instagram. I'll always put a trigger warning if we discuss sensitive topics on the podcast, but if at any time you're concerned about your mental health, I urge you to talk to those around you, reach out to health professionals or seek out resources online. I've compiled a list of international resources which can be accessed on the podcast landing page, alisonnewman.net slash podcast. The Art of Being a Mum would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land and water which this podcast is recorded on as being the Boendick people. I'm working on land that was never ceded. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Art of Being a Mum podcast. It is an absolutely amazing experience to say that I have stuck with this for 100 episodes and that I have been lucky enough to have 100 mums and a few dads hang out with me and want to share openly and honestly and for you guys to listen. Thank you so much for being a part of this. It is such a wonderful experience for me and I hope it can continue. My work hours are getting a little bit more flexible so fingers crossed there will be more podcasts to come. But of course, in the meantime, please enjoy my written article series, which is pretty much the same as the podcast, but it's completely answered by my guests. So I give them the questions, they write back the answers and I collate them and put it into the website. So you can check those out at alisonnewman.net slash articles. My 100th guest this week is Emma Stenhouse. Emma's an Indigenous artisan and Naranjeri woman, and she's the mother of three children. Emma can be described as many things. Indigenous artist, weaver, printmaker, designer, and sewist. Emma's taking the first steps on her journey to belonging and becoming connected with her Naranjeri heritage. Her work is predominantly inspired by nature and her connection to country, using elements of contemporary art and traditional iconography. Emma ignites the flame of love for country in other hearts and minds. A multifaceted creative, she explores diverse practices and each piece is braided with learning, exchange between artist and viewer, a continuation of culture and a platform for cross-cultural exchange. An experienced early childhood educator, Emma imparts her knowledge of culture, implementing programming including traditional Indigenous creative practices, guided by Gunjarama elders. A gatherer and sharer of knowledge, Emma uses this to guide her own journey. She builds capacity for others to learn and develop their own connections. Emma's story spans across four decades, across desert and sea, as she explores the challenges and monuments of her cultural growth, connection to country, and being an artist. 
Moving through time and space, from the bush to the beach, her stories are formed by her deep relationship to land and guided by strong female role models in her community. Please be aware that Emma's episode contains discussions about the loss of a child. Throughout today's episode, you'll hear music from Indigenous Australians, our First Nations people, and this is used with permission. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, it is such a such a momentous moment, such a moment to be celebrating 100 episodes, and I'm so thrilled that you're here, and I hope that you'll hang out with me again in the future. Thank you so much, Emma. It's a pleasure to welcome you to the podcast today. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited. Oh, awesome. So you're in um, Western Victoria in Warrnambool, which isn't that far from me, which is pretty exciting. I think you're the closest person I've had on, apart from people in my own town. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, I've been to Warrnambool, I've been to um, Mount Gambier a couple of times um, just for work. So I haven't really been over there to check it out too much, but um, I'd love to go over and have a wander around. There's some lakes or something close by to you guys that I want to oh, go yeah. swimming in. Yes. Oh, yes. So we've got the Blue Lake, which is like our water source, which is like the most beautiful blue, yeah, sort of I've November onwards. Um, but yes, the Little Blue Lake is, that's our like local swimming spot that we love to go, like our family. Um, and it's like a just a, uh, just a sinkhole in the middle of a paddock out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and it, it's freezing most of the time, but for a very short period of time in summer, it's really, really good. So it's pretty popular. Oh, I'm popular. used to the cold. Um, <laughs> yeah. I actually don't go in the water here without a wetsuit. So I'm yes. I'm a country kid. I'm originally <laughs> from Broken Hill, so I grew up um, in the desert and loving the heat. So it's been a yeah. real um, shock to the system moving here and uh, adjusting to the climate because yeah. it's always so cold. Oh yeah, look, I can I can relate to that. And you're probably even colder than what we are because you're right near the ocean, like on the ocean there, aren't you? Yeah, so. yeah. We're literally um, a block back from the beach, so the wind yeah. is you know always quite strong and very chilly. Yeah. Now my mum used to have a horse that used to get trained over there, and they'd always send us videos of the horses like paddling in the water, and I'd always think, God, that looks so cold. Those poor horses. <laughs> I know, I know. I walk the beach every day and um, yeah. watch them train the horses and, yeah, often just shudder looking at <laughs> them and the jockeys who, who do actually, like, get in with them and, oh, yeah, yeah, not my not my cup of tea, but it is lovely to watch. Yeah, yeah, no, it'd be good having that around. Um, so do you mind me asking what, what brought you to Warrnambool? Yeah, so my husband's job, we, um, both of us are born and bred in Broken Hill um, and I guess we went on a bit of a five-week holiday along the south coast of New South Wales um, with our two sons um, in a camper trailer and kind of did the off-grid thing a little bit Mm -hmm. and then sort of moved back to town and thought, oh, why are we living here? Like it's beautiful um, and it's home but just the opportunities um, for our kids, just, yeah, I guess it's quite isolated to live, you know, um, Mm -hmm. in the far west of New South Wales. 
So, yeah, my husband decided to try for a sea change. So he applied for the job in um, Warrnambool and we told everyone a big fat lie and told them we were going to Melbourne for the weekend. (laughs) And we secretly came to Warrnambool and spent three days here and he had his interview and we, you know, scoped the place out and checked out the schools and, you know, wondered if it would be okay for us to live here. And then, yeah, um, he sort of got the call and said, you've got the job. And he left within sort of two weeks and... Yeah, I stayed home in Broken Hill with the kids until Lockie finished high school and then we moved, yeah, just before Christmas. So um, I haven't looked back. I mean, it's the complete opposite, um, but I feel really blessed, I guess, to have two beautiful homes that are so different to each other. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's a great, great outlook. Yeah, both worlds. Yeah, that's it. So you're an, an artist. Can you tell everyone what sort of style of art that you make and what sort of mediums that you use? Sure. So um, I'm an Indigenous artist, um, a contemporary Indigenous artist. So I use traditional iconography um, in a contemporary way, I guess. And my art is about storytelling. Uh, and the stories that I um, create, I guess, uh, sort of speak to um, my journey Um, in connecting to culture, but also the strong women that have um, guided me through this process. Um, I guess I was, I sort of always knew I was Aboriginal, but hadn't had that really strong guidance in my life up until I turned 40 and sort of went, Mm -hmm. oh, this is missing in my life. So yeah, just reestablish those um, family connections and um yeah, now really lucky to be a full-time artist. So um, as far as my artwork, I paint in, I paint with acrylics, um, but I kind of, I can't limit myself. I like to have a go at everything. So um, I've been making my own ochre um, watercolour. That's sort of been happening the last couple of weeks um, with sort of guidance from lovely um, Aboriginal elders and yeah, I love printmaking, just any any sort of medium, I guess. Um, I'll have a crack at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would keep things interesting, though, wouldn't it? Like if it you does. Sort of, I don't yeah. get bored at all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've actually got one of your, when you said on the email that your your artwork is at um, Green Door here in Mount Gambier, and I've actually got, um, I can't remember what it was called now, but it's um, it's pink and it sort of goes in an arch. Oh, uh, yep. And there was a blue one that was kind of similar. And, um, yeah, unfortunately I'm not in the, spo- the normal place I am for recording. You'd be able to see it behind me, which would have been really cool. <laughs> uh, I'm very grateful to Annie. Um, she's been um, a wonderful support to me, but not just me. I mean, female artists in general. She mm-hmm. has just really helped us all, I guess, um, yeah, put ourselves out there a bit more and have that sort of just that kind support. She's she's just such a lovely, warm person and really genuine. Um, so, yeah, I, I do feel really lucky. And I know sort of um, some of the other artists who have their work there feel the same. So mm. very blessed. Yeah. Shout out to Annie if she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. 
come from stealing bikes to stealing lives. So many young hands gripping stainless steel knives. See a kid that don't like, they're messing him up. Were you always um, into painting and, and creating growing up? Uh, absolutely. I can't actually remember a time where I wasn't making something. So I remember being a kid and, you know, just doing little drawings for my aunties. Um, my nan was a dressmaker, so I love to watch her sew. Um, and that's sort of something I, I had a go at, I guess, um, in my thirties, that was, that became quite a passion for me, learning to sew and, um, getting my nan, all my nan's old beautiful buttons and things like that. And just, um, developing a real strong sort of sense of textile and pattern and surface design. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I've, yeah, I've, I've went through another stage where it was all about screen printing. So I went and, you know, got, went and did some courses and, um, yeah, I had a little shop in Broken Hill where I used to run screen printing workshops and I'd teach, you know, anyone, I guess, from sort of five years old up to 101 was I went out to the nursing home and did a, um, we made tea towels with the residents out there and, yeah, was really lucky to, I just, yeah, meeting people through my arts practice is like the biggest gift ever. Yeah, yeah, and having that community and be able to share common a common interest with people. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned that you're you've got your indigenous heritage. Has that always inspired what you're creating? It's always uh it's always been there in terms of like I've had such a strong connection to country and nature. Like I think that's just an innate thing that I've I've always had. I've always been that outside kid and been fascinated in in nature, like, you know, just the simple things like a leaf, you know, the veins on a leaf, they, they're captivating, um, mm. you know, dragonflies, lizards, all sorts of things. I was the kid that was always came home with, you know, a pocket full of rocks and a stick and, you know, yeah. a leaf <laughs> or a feather. Um, so just having that real connection to country, I think, and then sort of, you know, in the last few years, really connecting with um, with my family and learning learning about culture, but on so many different deeper levels, um, and just allow, I guess, allowing myself to acknowledge that knowing that I've always had, but mm. um, haven't had the guidance from family to to help me explore that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, to sort of to take you into those deeper places, and you talk about the. Um, the traditional imagery that you use, was that something that you'd always sort of done or has that sort of come in more since you uh, sort of connected? I've always, I've always had a, like, I don't know, I've always had like um, like questions and a wondering, like where mm-hmm. does where do I fit in in all of this? Um, like growing up in Broken Hill, my dad um, was Aboriginal, but he left, so I sort of grew up um just with my mum and my brother and we you know we lived in a commission house on the outskirts of town um there were a lot of other aboriginal people and families that lived in our street but I had really fair skin compared to them so I didn't sort of feel like I fitted in there yeah and then I was sort of too dark to be you know like one of the white kids I suppose so Mm. I've always had this sort of feeling that I never sort of quite fitted in and I think that's led me to want to explore like in a lot of aspects of life just Mm -hmm. I've always had that curiosity I suppose and so yeah I've really um 
consciously been, I guess, just peeling back layers, if you will, trying to find out as much as I can, not just about my family, but, um, you know, but culture in general and and the traditional practices and how they've, um, how they've evolved over the years, um, you know, things, even though we're still practicing the same art forms, they've obviously, you know, evolved and changed. So mm-hmm. I guess celebrating that and, but learning where it comes from, because that's, mm-hmm. I guess that's the essence of it for me, like that, that the traditional stuff. Mm. Yeah. And I think, um, look, coming from someone that has no education, sort of not a great understanding of Indigenous culture, I like I love the patterns and the colours that people use, like the contemporary Indigenous art. And it's just, it seems so um, flippant to just say that I like the patterns and the, the colours because it's such a, there's so much deeper meaning in that and the story that 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 it actually tells, if you know what I mean. Like there's oh, just absolutely. so much depth in this that it's like you can't just look at it and go, that looks nice. You know what I mean? That we're just doing it like a disservice. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sweet. Um, and that's interesting just because I don't know, I think, you know, in the past sort of 10 years, people are becoming more aware and more connected to Aboriginal art. Like it's been viewed, you know, around the world with such like wonder and, you know, the beauty of it. Mm. But I guess people are understanding that connection now. So when we paint, you know, we're painting our story. So, Mm. um, yeah, I think think it's changing at the moment and that's really nice because that allows us to connect with each other and i think you know Mm -hmm. after covid we're we're all sort of like leaning into that a bit more Mm, yeah looking for that looking for that connection and meaning deeper meaning of life i think in general yeah (laughs) people are striving for yeah So you mentioned uh, your children briefly. How many children? You said you had two boys? Yeah, so yeah. I have um, my eldest is 18 um, and he's just finished high school and I feel really old that I have an <laughs> 18-year-old son and can't quite believe it because it just it's happened in the blink of an eye. Um, and I have a 12-year-old um, son as well and he's just started high school. So mm-hmm. It's that's all very new. Um, and I, I just do want to acknowledge, like I also have um a daughter who would have been um 15 this year, and she yeah, she passed away um the day that she was born, but she's oh, sort of been a very big part of my life, and I acknowledge her, I guess, in all that I do. Um yeah. having that experience um sort of changed me profoundly in a lot of ways, but it's given me the perspective that like life's short and if you want to do something, then you just, you should just jump in and have a go. Like Mm. you don't really have anything to lose. You Like what's the worst that can happen? I feel like I've already been through the worst. So, yeah, you know, just having that different perspective. And, and again, you know, that's what I guess that brings me back to like that wanting to connect to family and knowing more about myself and where I've come from and, Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry to hear about your daughter. That's thank you. Yeah, um, but thank you for sharing it. 
with Look, us it's, too. It's, a, yeah. it's, you know, it's a heartbreaking thing to live with. Um, I guess all I can say is that I've tried to focus on the positive things that have come from that, like the beautiful relationships that I've um, have with other women and families who have been through the same thing um, and just my work with Red Nose. So I um, I work with Red Nose um, at the moment through uh, their Reconciliation Action Plan, so um, their RAP, um, and just any way I and any way I can support them because that like they've been a great support to my family. Mm, no, that's not that's really lovely. So for people who who might not be familiar, the Red Nose um, are involved with the SIDS. So they um, they were they're formerly um, SIDS and Kids, yeah, yeah right. uh, and they amalgamated with SANS, which is a South Australian organisation as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they provide sort of education and support. Um, and wonderful programs, I guess, for families like mine who were quite isolated at that time. We in Broken Hill, we didn't have any, like we didn't even have a grief counsellor. So um I sort of took it upon myself to um get some help, not just for me. There are a lot of other women in the community as well. So um I reached out to Red Nose and was lucky enough to have an educator come out to Broken Hill spend time with families, but also the health professionals as well, um, just giving them education on how to better support um, families who have gone through the loss of a child. So, Mm. yeah, as much Mm. as things were, you know, really hard at that time, I feel like I tried to, I don't know, make positive choices in that situation. Mm. Yeah, um, sort of helped me get through that time. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and to be able to, to gain that help for other people and I guess there's always a sense of, you know, you don't, you wouldn't wish this on anyone sort of feeling. So, you know, you, you're giving that that help to to other people in your community as well. To yeah, prevent, absolutely. Prevent but also um, I guess, you know, we've come a long way. I have in in my family, I guess I was the third generation who had, like lost a child. So I had an auntie who'd lost a child and my grandmother had lost children as well. So just knowing their experience and how, unfortunately, how it was dealt with, you know, back in those days to Mm. how far we've come right now. Um, And the work that I'm doing with SIDS and Kids is now about, you know, getting education out to remote communities as well. So particularly, um, you know, our remote Aboriginal communities all over the country who, yeah, just need a bit more support and, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky thing. There's a lot sort of culturally that's, you know, it's hard, like language, you know, mm-hmm. barriers and just, just distance, I guess, and access to services. So uh, that's something I'm very passionate about as well. Mm. Yeah, good on you for doing that. Music is the mitigant. These beats got us out of control. Gangs around like you never get old. Breaking and popping on my boys, pop locking. Got us feeling like we out of this world. Drink your mask, get the young one, but like a going on Lego. Go more in a tumor in a group of me, use the monthly beat. Could you mark only meeting the price? Go hard, never lay back, lay back. When you had your, when you first became a mum, did you go through like a really big sort of shift in your identity where you sort of went? who am I now? You know, am I still Emma? I'm someone's mom. Like where do, where do I sort of fit in? 
to this yeah. whole thing. Oh, for sure. And I think we all do. Like it's just that's just um, goes hand in hand with when you become a parent. I when I had Lockie, um, oh gosh, I remember just being so full of anxiety. You know, am I doing this right? What am I doing? Mm. Oh, he's crying all the time. He won't settle for me. You know, just that total lack of confidence um, that you have when you're a new mum. Even though, like, I had an amazing group of friends and my my mum was amazing. Like, I had lots of support. Um, but I found, like, the first probably 12 months sort of quite challenging. Um, and then, I don't know, as, as he got older and I felt like things got easier and I sort of found my way, um, I just loved every minute. Like, yeah. him and I had such a close um, relationship you know, I stayed at home until he went to school um, and then I sort of I studied early childhood education as well because mm-hmm. um, I just thought, well, I don't have the tools. So if I go and do a bit of study, that's only going to help my relationship, you know, with my kids. So, yeah, and that's been that's been a huge part of my life and still is like that, that education and that sharing with children is just I don't know, they're just amazing. Like they just <laughs> have that joy that we sort of lose as we get older um, and working mm. with them just keeps that sort of relevant for me. It's still, it's always there, that joy that they have, that sense of wonder at the world. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love that. totally relate to that. I'm an early childhood educator. I work in a kindy at the moment and it's like they just keep you so like grounded on what's actually important in life and what's happening right in front of you. Like oh, you could just have, you yeah. know, the worst thing might have happened this morning at like at home, If you know, not the worst thing, but, you know, the boys might have given me trouble getting them up and they didn't want to get up or they can't find their shoes or whatever. But at work it's like someone finds a rock and that is like the centre of attention, like this rock, where did it come from? What is it? What does it do? Or, you know, it just brings you back to, yeah. <laughs> to that, this basics. just that sense of curiosity and I think yeah. that's why I've just been really passionate about early childhood education for like the best part of 15 years, it's played a huge role in my life. Um, yeah. And I'm really lucky now that um, I get to go and um, work in schools um, sort of with my arts practice and sharing like my art techniques um, and just, you know, general art, I guess, techniques and different mediums, um, mm-hmm. but coupling that with culture as well um, mm-hmm. and just, they're like little sponges, you know, like they have just you share one thing with them and you know that that's the thing that they're going to go home and talk to their parents about. Like it's yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so much fun. It is, isn't it? I, I just absolutely love it. I only came to the industry probably 10 years ago and I just wish I had have found it earlier because it's just the best. It just keeps you just so, I don't know, on this other level of looking at life. I don't know. <laughs> oh, and they definitely keep you grounded as well. Like, you know, yeah. you can't, like if you haven't been to the hairdresser for a little while and you've got some sparkles on the side, you know, it's yeah. the first thing they point out, oh, geez, Emma, you're looking a bit, your hair's looking a bit strange today or you've got yeah, sparkles no. in your hair. Uh, yeah, I know. Nothing gets past them, does it? No, They're just so honest, not. so honest.
do like I know I think it's formally called like an artist in residence. Like, do you go into the schools and like work in on that sort of capacity with the children? Yeah, well, essentially, yeah. I've we I do still call it like an artist in your residence. So yeah. um, I have been hold the last little while. So I went out to Warwick Nabil. Um, yeah. You know, again, that's that like just that when you live remotely, you don't have the same opportunities as what you do like when you're in a more regional area. So mm. I'm passionate about, you know, going out and sharing that with with those kids. And they're like, yeah, they have a completely different perspective on everything as well. Mm-hmm. Um, last week I was over in Camperdown and helped um, Camperdown College. We had six students Um in the junior school and then 12 in the senior school and we created two murals. So, um, yeah, it's just expanding, I guess, their knowledge about culture but also reminding them to, like, not lose their wonder about how amazing nature is. Mm, Um, Yeah. And it's interesting, like, I present a nature collage and just, you know, when they come up and grab the different uh, bits and pieces of nature that I've collected, you know, just that, oh, like remember when we went to the beach and, you know, I went to the beach with my family and I saw a shell like this or, um, you know, just different bird feathers. You know, they'll talk about like the one time that they got swooped by a magpie and, you know, just the stories. And then I guess that just reminds them to be, yeah, more connected to what's actually around them. You know, we're such a a tech-heavy society these mm. days. So getting back to nature is beneficial, like on, so, you know, there's there's yeah. a gazillion studies about it, but just yeah. go for a walk and, yeah, pick up a leaf and have a look at it or mm. you know, just go to the beach and have a wander. You never know what you're going to find. So, mm. um, yeah, just that, just that gentle reminder to be aware and um, be connected. Mm, yeah, and the, the noticing of things like I've like we're doing this term. We're doing a book called um, Garden Stew, so it's all the ingredients are all things we find in nature. And there's this lovely little quacker that's like the star of the book. He's he's gathering all these things together. So I've been asking my children about just things they notice, not necessarily at kindy, but when they're on their way to kindy or at home and some of the things that they share, it's like you plant that little seed and then they just start that. It's like the whole world's open and like, Oh, I noticed this and I noticed that. And there's a tree in my backyard. I never realized it has these different color leaves. And it's just so, I just love that. It's just like, boom, out it all comes and seeing things in a different way. And Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That just, that's, I guess that's the stuff that fills my cup up. Um, Mm, Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I've done. I did camper down last week. I'm heading in to work with um, two Catholic schools in Melbourne, and then I come home Friday night, and then I head off to Ararat for um, a week mm-hmm. to work with students over there. Again, um, we're creating a mural, and um, I guess I just sort of see my role as a facilitator. The work, the work is like their story and their voice. I just sort of give them literally the tools and a bit of guidance to help um, create their own story because I think um, it's always really important to share your own story but to hear other people's as well. Mm. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? There's no point going into a particular area um, and, you know, putting out what you 
you think or what you feel or whatever. It's, yeah, because we are so different. And you talked about, you know, these tiny towns like this Warrigambeu and Camperdown, like they're in the middle of like literally nowhere. You know, it's very different to, you know, say Warrnambool. So everyone's got their their own particular stories that are relevant to where they are and how they experience life. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, I guess, like just going to Warrnambool, you know, the pride that these kids have, that they're farm kids and, you know, they grow they grow the stuff that helps the rest of us, you know, eat. Mm, like it's, yeah, yeah. They're so proud of that. Um, and even, you know, in Camperdown, you know, they they all have farms, like they're on dairy farms, you know, that mm-hmm. they have whole industries and they know so much about it that, yeah. you know, I was like, oh, well, tell me, you know, what, what happens here and what happens there and how many times a year do you guys, you know, harvest your crops and yeah. And it was just amazing. And these little kids at kinder, you know, their parents were bringing in bags of grain and um, chickpeas and stuff that they'd grown at their house. And I was, it was yeah. fascinating, like really fascinating, like just to yeah. have that, okay, it goes from like a dust bowl out here in Warwickville <laughs> on their yeah. farm to, you know, like in our food. It's mm. But yeah. kids have made that connection and it's, yeah, it's amazing just the pride that they have knowing that, like, their family's contributing. Mm, that they're literally feeding the rest of Australia. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty yeah. massive it's, thing, isn't it? I guess it's easy to kind of feel forgotten about when you're, you know, mm. um, living a bit more remotely than other people. But, yeah, yeah that was – and we, we really celebrated that, like, in my time there that, that um, you know, they, they are really contributing and – like I would love to go back out there and spend some more time. Um, I guess from me personally, just learning from them. I mean, yeah, I've, yeah. I've not grown up in that environment, so yeah, yeah, and that's good, isn't it? And I do love that they're so proud, and they should be. It's it's wonderful, and I think actually a lot of city people could kind of learn a lot from them about you know your food doesn't just appear in a box or in a packet. It actually comes from somewhere and from people working hard and you know well, just get the other side families, of Like I said, she actually brought me in. You know um, all the different things that they grow on their farm, and the kids were like, "Can you take when you go into the city? Can you take this? You know, to show the kids?" And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." Oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, it was something, I can't even remember what it was now, but something's in my mind about the number of kids that didn't really know where milk came from. I don't know if that, I'm thinking of an American thing or not. And it kind of, I thought, how could you not know where your milk came from? Like to, to me, it's just, it's obvious, but, you know, maybe it's not that obvious unless someone's told you or you've seen it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like you're right. And then I guess we talked a lot about, um you know, they're, they're growing things, they're living off the land. And I guess then we link that back to, you know, um, like Aboriginal culture, like bush tucker, that we've, we've had these things available to us. And if we look after country Mm. and, you know, country looks after us. So it was really Mm. nice to explore those two things sort of side by side as well. And them then sort of understanding that, I mean, I grew up sort of you know, in a, in a really sort of remote place and mm. you'd go out like we were on a property at times and you'd go out there and you'd think, oh, there's nothing out here, like nothing grows. And then, mm. you know, you'd go for a little drive in the car and there'd be like a few Kwangdong trees, you know, and then like so like there's food, there's stuff out there if you know about it. So, 
Yeah. You know, that's been yeah. interesting for me, I guess, on my own personal journey, just um, like learning about all the different sort of bush tucker and, and things mm. like that. I've always had that interest anyway, but, um, yeah, like digging a bit deeper into it. So mm. it's been great. before about um your watercolors that you're making your ochre watercolors that would be fascinating too like finding out what color what things make what color and that sort of thing yeah and just I guess um like the fascination in how it was made traditionally so you know like I go to a school and I'll say to the kids you know what what can you tell me about Aboriginal art and they'll say you know oh they made paint from rocks and I'm like yeah yeah that happened you know so do you know how that happened they're like oh you know yeah they ground it up and they add a bit of water and the second that you tell them that like it needs a binding agent you know like it needs to stick together and you and you tell them that you know like traditionally we might have used um, animal blood or tree sap, you know, the eyes yeah. got the bigger sources and, you know, yeah. oh, how does that happen? And, you know, so just even in exploring like the traditional processes in my learning, I'm able to then share that with um, the kids as well. Mm. And I went to the Northern Territory last year and just was completely fascinated by the rock art and, mm just to know that like that's been there for 600 years and that paint, that ochre has lasted, you know, 600 years in a cave. Yeah. And yet, you know, we can go and paint a house and within five years it's faded. So Yeah, yeah. it's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's, it's pretty amazing. I think that those, just those basic, you know, elements of nature and you're mm-hmm. able to create something that lasts, you know, yeah. well beyond our own years and then you've, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I I think, you know, growing up, being that collector, I've always like, yep, oh, there's a red rock or there's a, you know, that one's white or, you know, I've always, I actually have a collection of rocks, um, yeah. which is probably a bit odd for a 44-year-old. No, I, I do could relate yeah. to that too. <laughs> yeah. And when you grow up in a mining town, it's kind of, you kind of just, yeah, it's another just a thing yeah it, it it would just be part of your of your daily life like just finding interesting rocks it would just you know it'd be great yeah, I know it's yeah, it's weird I I I quite often laugh that I like just innately am like a gatherer and a collector <laughs> and I think about my ancestors and the women who went before me and that was kind of their role as well and yeah it's it's comforting, I guess, um, to know that, like, I'm still doing that and that's going to be passed on in my family as well, that, yeah. yeah. 
just that value in nature. Mm, absolutely. I love that. Um, I, I've got a thing like that, like with your rocks, mine's feathers. I'm obsessed with oh, feathers. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm and feathers just, as well. Oh, my, oh, I just, I don't know what it is about them, whether it's, I don't know, I, I like I love birds. I think birds are just the most amazing things and I have my little favourites that come around to the house and whatever and have a chat with the magpies and things. And it's like I just... I know it's like you've got this, there's this, they're so unattainable because they can just go, you know, then they can go wherever they like and they're free. And to just have a little piece of that is, I don't know, maybe that's why I like I can hold it close to me. I don't know. It's a funny I thing. I know it's a fetish. treasure. It's a treasure because yeah. it's a moment in time that's just, just that moment, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't um, replicate it, you know, as much as I try. <laughs> okay. And you know, it's interesting. Like I, um, you know, different different mobs and and stuff have different um, totems, and mine mm-hmm. is a willy wagtail. Ah, oh, um, that's so interesting because I've had a willy wagtail never before in the last three or four days has been at my front door with his beautiful little whistle, and I'm like, "What are you here for?" Like, it's, well, that's very interesting. <laughs> my family have explained to me that they're messenger birds. Um, yeah, right. So, like. Black and white, I guess you know, good messages, bad messages. When you mm-hmm. when you're a willy wagtail, you don't have a choice. You have to share the message, whether it's good or bad. That's yeah, that's right. kind of your your burden or your your role, I guess. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just fascinated. I, I love birds as well. Just fascinated by, yeah. I guess, again, that's another just a deeper learning that that I've been lucky enough to um, have had shared with me, and yeah. Yeah, just on birds, just slightly off topic though. Do you get um, currawongs over where you are? No, we don't. We yeah, have right. the most amazing, um, superb fairy wrens, you know, the little Oh, yes, yes, they're divine. But I love it sucks them. Out. Only the boys get to be beautiful, don't they? And the little oh, girls. Oh, it's the same are... with peacocks. It's funny. <laughs> oh, I, yes, I, that's so true. I take peacock feathers um in my little nature collage kit and I always say to the kids, you know, so these beautiful ones, are they the boy ones or the girl ones? And the boy and the boys like, oh no, yeah, they're the boy ones because they use them to attract the girl ones. Like, <laughs> like yeah, they do like, you know, mm. they show off for the ladies and they just think that's hilarious. Yeah. I always find that interesting in nature that the boys get to be so bright and exuberant and then the girls are brown. It's like, hang on a sec. <laughs> Oh, I know funny. we're too busy, right? We're too busy. Oh dear! I don't know what it is. I have to show you while we're chatting in Europe. Oh, yeah. Um, my auntie sent me these. Um, oh, they're magnificent. Yeah, are they? Oh, treasures! Like they treasure. are beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I'll share with the listeners. They're um, they're well, they're red, black. What are they called? Black, red, black. Oh, you say it. <laughs> Yeah, the the cockatoos. The, yeah, um, the cockatoos. You know the red tail black cockatoos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh dear. Yes. Oh, they are the um, most amazing birds. That they are divine. So yeah, I'm yeah. I'm like, oh my god, they're a treasure. But like, mm-hmm. I want to use them, but then like they're mm. too precious. You don't <laughs> so. want to use them. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I've got one like that, but it's the yellow one. Um, we get the yellow tail ones. They fly yes. between because we've got a lot of pine, you know, pine plantations yeah. here, and they fly between the plantations. And every afternoon they come right over the top of my house. And there's only about four, sometimes five, and they just call to each other as they're going. I'm like, oh, 
did I go again? It's just so special. <laughs> I know, we're crazy bird people. Oh, I'm sure there's, there's someone else listening that gets this, isn't there? There's got to be. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I'll not, own it anyway. I'm oh, not, God, I have yeah. no shame. <laughs> I don't apologise for it. I love no. it. And I, I tell the kids about it at, at work. And last year there was one little girl who was just loved cockatoos. And I told her that my mum has a, a pet cocky. And um, she ended up just becoming so attached to this bird. Like I'd bring in photos and videos of this bird. And I said to mum, do you think we could bring her in for a visit? And mum's like, oh, I don't think so, Alison, because she can be quite moody. <laughs> you know, she's got a bit of a bite on her. Yes, um, yes. So we decided against that. But even, um, yeah, this year, even though that little girl's gone to school, one of her little friends often asked me, how's Cocky going? It's like, that's just so lovely that Aww. they remember. This, and because she's got such a personality and in some of the videos, she'd just do the funniest things. And it's like, oh, my God, she's just a cracker. She just loves. Loves life that bit. <laughs> uh, and I think that's yep, the thing. They have personalities. They, yes, that's what I was about to say. I think that's why I like them so much because they, they do have distinct personalities and they're just, they're, they're just like people. Like yeah. <laughs> they know what they like and what they don't like and what people they like and what people they don't like. <laughs> I love emus as well. I, I think, oh, you know, growing yeah, up yeah. I was always like, oh, they're so beautiful and and then you go to Tower Hill here, which is um, yeah. just outside of Warrnambool, and, you know, they're so used to people. Mm-hmm. They sort of come right up to you and you think, oh, God, they're going to, like, <laughs> feel. Yeah. And for that second, that little bit of fear creeps in and you're like, okay, I'll just put my hand up so that I'm taller than them and that'll scare them away. And, <laughs> and oh. then at the same time I'm, like, following them, hoping that they might, like, drop a feather or yeah. something. I did that recently, actually. It was my son, my eldest son, Alex. He loves emus. He's just got this thing for emus. Wherever we go, if he sees one, he'll just go over to it and just like, like obviously this isn't in the wild because they run away from us. Um, but, yeah, like where were we? We're on the Gold Coast recently at the uh, Karawa, no, what was it called? Um Currumbin Bird Sanctuary. Oh, yeah. And there was this emu up there and I was patting him and I was hoping that one of his <laughs> beautiful feathers would just fall We're out conveniently. Accidentally. You know, I kind of got a hold of one. I thought, no, Alison, don't do it. It's <laughs> like <laughs> so my son's up, up at his face end, like distracting and like trying to nick feathers. No, that wouldn't have been very kind. So, no, I didn't do that, but I did cross my mind. <laughs> Oh my god! Yes, I'm a forager. I'd be too scared. I don't take. Yeah, I only take what's what's already dropped on the ground. What's already dropped on the yes, ground. Yes, yes, yes. No, that that's very funny. Um, yeah. Thanks for indulging my bird talk there. I oh, that's that. okay. That's <laughs> fine. I've actually like I paint. I've been painting emu feathers, like just so yeah, inspired right. by them. Yeah. Um, just the little detail and how fine and soft they are and yeah they're they're pretty much like I don't know if people might have to google them but they are incredibly small like when like you see this bird but then the like when you take it like they're like ostrich feathers kind of where they've got like all the strands but then on the strands they're just so minute I know they're incredible aren't they yep it makes me go blind painting them (laughs) (laughs) could have picked a simpler feather so, and then, you know, the oh, it's okay, emu feathers and then dragonflies. So, I'm just, oh, yeah. 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 All those tiny little veins. Detail. It's <laughs> yeah. all about the detail. Oh, yeah. goodness.
did you find that after you became a mum that your painting changed, like whether the way you had to do the work or what inspired you changed after you became a mum? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think, I don't know, my poor kids, whenever I do something, they're just, it's just around them. Like they're just, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. at the moment, like we're in a small townhouse and I've literally got, you know, seven or eight canvases on the go around me. So yeah. they've always been surrounded by whatever, um, whatever I'm creating. So, you know, whether it's sewing, you know, when they were younger and I was screen printing, you know, we'd like, we would have fun doing it together. Like I feel mm-hmm. like they've always been um, involved in some way. Like, and mm-hmm. I've, I've really tried to nurture that in them, you know, and I guess they're a bit older now and it's not really their, their thing, but that was a really strong connection for us to have, like when they were younger, that we did these things together and they were a part of, yeah, whatever, whatever I was doing. And even now, you know, like I'm making the ochre and stuff and Fraser, who's 12, you know, he'll come over and like, so what, what are you doing? You know, Mm. um, yeah, I think I just, I don't know. I think again, it's that I just have the, I just want to share what I'm doing with them. Like, and so then, yeah, they, they are a part of it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's hard when you work from home to separate those two things as well. Mm, um, yeah. And I've been lucky that I have been able to spend a lot of time in my arts practice working at home. So, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's an inclusive sort of style, I guess, that I've wanted to include them as much as I can in whatever I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, and teach them as well. I mean, you know, they've they both can sew and. Oh, you know, awesome. probably could whip up a screen print if you <laughs> reminded them how to do it. Uh, but, yeah. you know, that's not cool now, but, you know, at the time. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. So they'll be able to darn their socks when they get hold of them. We won't have to rely on oh, anyone else maybe, to put I don't on. know, I don't know. <laughs> Some things might have gone in one ear and out the other, but anyway. Skills for life, right? Skills yeah, for life. that's it, yeah. So within that, it was there an element of also wanting them to see that their mum can also do things that don't involve being their mum. <laughs> so you can do things just for yourself. <laughs> Uh, I think we've, I think my husband and I have raised our kids to want to explore things, like whatever it is, you know, whatever their passions are, yep, go and have a crack, you know, like mm. if you want to try karate, go and go and try it. Like have your own identity as well. Like you, you know, home and your family will always be your safe space, but don't be scared to go out and try other things. And I, mm. and I think that probably sort of was amplified after Asha died. Like Lockie was three and a half when that happened. Um, you know, so I guess for that that couple of years after that, um, 
I guess like sewing became my grief work. That was what I sort of used to help me through that time. And so it's always been my sort of safe place to come back to. And I think my kids just see that as my creativity is just part of my identity and, um, you know, they're kind of, they're not really separated. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. But I guess, yeah, it just comes back to like have a go at something. If you want to, if you want to try it, have a go. Like you don't have anything to lose. Mm. Yeah. It's great yeah. advice, isn't it? Like you said, life's short and you just, if you want to do something, just make, find a way to do it. <laughs> Give yeah. it a try. I mean, look, yeah. I, you know, I probably in hindsight, there's probably a few things I maybe should have pondered a little bit more. Like, um, you know, when I had my shop in Broken Hill, I, started it with like 70 bucks and I was like oh yeah I'll just have a shop and no worries and you know rounded up a few bits of furniture and had a friend make me a bench and away we went we sort of you know just yeah you don't have to have the best of everything but you Mm. you can still try things it's it's not necessarily about you know going out and buying all of the stuff or whatever it is it's just having Mm. a little taste of everything and and sort of really finding what makes you feel content. Mm, yeah. 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 And you can always build on things as you go. You don't always yeah. have to have it all ready to go right at the start. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also as well, just that um, that creativity is so good for like self-regulation, not just for adults but for kids as well. Yes, and I absolutely. think, um, you know, maybe COVID highlighted that for all of us. Like we, we did have that time to slow down mm. and and stop and go slow and take things in um yeah i don't know yeah. just, just something i'm throwing yeah. out there. <laughs> no but that's the thing isn't it when you've got time you can actually think about what you enjoy doing and what sort of like you said fills you up and makes you feel good and yeah having i think in life we don't get those times unless we truly seek them out yeah it's like life just goes and goes and goes and goes um yeah yeah, so I think yeah it's so important to have something that's yours I really think especially as a mum and even in a partnership you know having something that that you know you don't always have to do everything with your partner you don't have to share every single interest you can have things that you want to do that don't involve anyone else uh my husband's just um started a punk band that oh good for him (laughs) so like he's just you know that's his thing he goes off and does that um I think our kids I don't know they they always say to us you know how proud they are that you know like dad's dad's got the guts to get up and sing in front of other people whereas I there's no way I could do that um but, you know, being in situations, I guess, with my um, arts practice and, you know, like collabs and different things where it's been quite public, my kids are really proud of that, that I've, mm. like, put myself out there. Um, and even, you know, when you do those things, sometimes, like, they can be quite challenging as well. So mm-hmm. I think modelling how you handle that is really important as well for your kids. Mm. You know, yeah, that things it, yeah. aren't always, like... You know, sunshine and lollipops, and you've got to learn to navigate the hard things as well. Mm. Yes, that, that's it, isn't it? If they're not just seeing the outcome, if it's all positive, that's great, but they're actually seeing the process and, you know, working through things. Like you said, if things 
aren't quite going how you expect how you deal with that. And that's that's so important because, as we know, kids, they learn from what they see, <laughs> not necessarily what you tell them. So very true. <laughs> oh, dear. things I like to talk to all my guests about is there's this concept of mum guilt. And I put that in air quotes because it's such a, a a contrived term. Like it's a term that's been made up, I think, by Western society. Do you have any thoughts on mum guilt? Um, it's, it's almost palpable at times for me to like just that I don't know. I guess in the last couple of years I've really um, like travelled a lot for work and I've been away and last year I was away a lot while Lockie was doing year 12 and I sort of thought, oh, I really need to be at home more. Um, But then I was really proud of him because he was able to achieve great things even when I wasn't there. I mean, you know, I wasn't physically here. I was obviously like, you know, calling and all that sort of stuff. But um. Yeah, I do find it really tricky to have that balance where you're you're giving everyone enough of yourself Mm. and then still filling your own cup up. Um, So, yeah, I do feel like um, I get pulled in a lot of different directions quite often and I know my kids are proud of me for going out there and doing things, but then I guess it's something that I put on myself, like, you know, that I have that, well, you know, I should be at home. But then I don't, I've never had like um, that traditional sense that I need to be a homemaker either. Like that's not, that's not part of my life um, that I've sort of, I don't know wanted to explore like I love being at home and I I am a real homebody when I'm at home but I also love getting out and like experiencing new things yeah yeah um but even when I've been able to do that I guess like last year I said I went to the Northern Territory I would have loved for my kids to have been there and so yeah yeah I don't know it's just it's a tricky thing I don't I don't know if it's something that I like let anyone else sort of put on me, but I Mm -hmm. certainly feel a bit torn at times, you know, am I spending too much time away or am I home enough or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's something that that, uh, someone said the other day, those those exact words, it's not something anyone else is putting on me. It's that's me saying this stuff. And it's like then it makes it tricky then because it's like it's up to you to try and not think that stuff, you know. (laughs) It's challenging. Oh, it really is, but, you know, um, we're lucky now in that, you know, like our kids have phones, you know, you can always just give them a ring, your FaceTime or whatever, and, mm. um, you know, you can maintain that connection, I suppose, that maybe you couldn't have a few years ago. Mm. Yeah, like that's so easy, true. It's easier to stay in touch. And 
I think I made a very conscious decision like this year to wherever I can involve my family a bit more in, you know, if I'm traveling into Melbourne or whatever, the, and if I'm in there for a couple of weeks, like the boys come in and we go to the footy or something. So, you know, we're, yeah. it's, it's that balance of doing things together. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Because it's like, I guess you're probably fair to say, like it's you couldn't give up that part of your life because then the rest of your life would suffer. You know, you couldn't give up your art, your your artistic endeavors because then you wouldn't be the person that you are. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I'd be miserable. It like, work. Yeah. When we first moved here, um, you know, everything was in storage because we were waiting. Like we had a little unit, and then we were waiting to move into our house and. Everything was in storage and I reckon it was about almost a year later and I got my sewing machine out and I just had that huge like reminder of, oh, I have missed this so much, you know. Yeah. And I felt like my old self again. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah, it's it's weird that just doing that thing that's always been there and that creativity just made me feel like me again. I felt, I felt like it had been missing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely can relate to that. Yeah. I think that's a pretty common thing that um, people I chat to, it's like it's just an integral part of who they are. It's yeah, like, you can't separate. You can't I don't think you can it separate out. it when you're a creative. I don't think no. there is that separation. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, which makes mothering all the more difficult. <laughs> you know, it's like you've got half your brain's in mum mode and half your brain's in art mode and they cross over and then, you know, one takes over and the other one takes over. Yeah, and that takes over your whole house as well when you have no room and you're painting on the kitchen floor. And I can't remember the last time we actually sat around our kitchen table and ate a meal together because, like, it's covered, like, it's literally covered in paintbrushes and paint and, yeah, I've got canvases all over the place and, you know, they just walk around stuff now. It's not even a, like, like, are you going to clean this stuff up, Mum? It's just like, oh, yeah, we'll just step over the canvas and moving right along. Um, yeah, that's it. But it's not like, you know, um, when Fraser gets home from school, I usually, like, stop for an hour or so just to, you know, wind down with him. And, yeah, um, yeah like Lockie's studying from home. So, you know, when he comes up and has lunch and stuff, you know, just, yeah, being at home and touching it, touching base and, you know. Yeah. Checking in on how he's going and stuff. So yeah, it's I'm very lucky to work from home. Um, mm. I, yeah, I feel very lucky to have that experience. Yeah, yeah. No, that is nice, isn't it? It does make it tricky that I've talked to people who work from home. Um, it's like they're in the middle of painting and they might hear the dishwasher stop or the uh, the beep of the washing machine. They're like, oh, I better just do that, and then it, then it turns into, oh, I better just do this and better just do this, and then it just rolls on. And you're like, oh, that's right, I was meant to be doing my painting. <laughs> Uh, what's well, the opposite in my house? When I start painting, I become obsessed, and then it's like, yeah. oh, we're out of clean undies, guys. Hang on, I'll have to quickly do a couple of loads of washing, and you know, like, oh, just uh, just that tidying, you know. Like, I get so I'm just so into like my yeah, artwork. What you're doing, yeah. yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm so lucky. My husband does the cooking, and so. You know, I don't, I kind of don't have to stop. So I guess the tricky thing in in that really is that it's hard for me to know when to clock off Mm. and actually just tools down for the day and separate work from, you know, just chilling out at home. 
Yeah. I'm just sitting here, it'll be like, oh, well, I'll just do another code on that or, you know, I'll add a little bit here and then. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's time to go to bed. Oh, sorry, I haven't actually talked to my family tonight. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, dear. So is that pretty common that you'll have, like, so many different ones on the go at once? Is that sort of how you like to work? Yeah, I think that's just how my brain works. Um, and also... Like there's so many layers to Aboriginal art. So, um, you know, I might have a base code on this one happening and then be blocking in things on the next one and, um, you know, then you've got to wait for the things to dry in between. Um, Mm -hmm. And like I might have, you know, works happening for a show and then a commission piece as well. And then I'm like, like I said, I'm, trying out different ochre so I'm like I just yeah and then I'll have a little play like a little like reward I suppose you know like I've worked really hard on this one and now I just want to have a play and um yeah yeah. I think that's really important to give myself that time to just like mess around and not Mm. because when it's your full-time job I don't ever want it to feel like a job and I'm lucky that it doesn't because I absolutely like I'm just so lucky to be doing what I do every day but then I, yeah, I don't want it to get stale. So yeah, think, yeah, yeah, it's important to have those times where you, almost like that curiosity of, well, what happens? What, how does you know messing around? Like you said about all the different things you like to do, it's like that keeps you fresh. That keeps you yeah, going. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yep. yeah. And absolutely. just like talking to other, talking to people. You know, when I go and do a weaving workshop or something like just that connection that you have with other people and hearing about their life experiences as well. I think that's like, that's amazing that I get to do that. And I, yeah, Yeah. I just feel really grateful that people are willing to share their experiences as well. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's that, I guess that connection, like I've grown Mm. up in a massive family and like my mum has six sisters and a brother, you know, so there was, Heaps yeah. of aunties and uncles, heaps of cousins, and you had to sort of be loud to be heard. So <laughs> it's nice when you go and work in a small group and everyone sort of, you know, gets their little moment to share. And yeah, you're yeah. not competing. <laughs> for I'm time. very, I can be very loud. I'm very aware <laughs> that I can be very loud. So I right, just need to tone it down a little bit. Well, that's funny. Oh, So you mentioned some things you're working on. Do you have anything specific coming up um, that you're working towards, like anything you want to mention that's coming up in the near future? That you want uh, to I have a few projects on the go, but I can't, I'm not allowed to talk about them. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and they're like, they're amazing things, amazing opportunities, and I just pinch myself, you know. I'm this chick from the bush, like just it blows my mind often that I am in the situation that I'm in. And so, you know, to be like working with companies like Maya, you know, like to have a 
have my work in their sh- in their shops like nationally like that's mm. just pinch me stuff and yeah. <laughs> um like that just yeah it still just blows my mind and and working with um you know like the Southside Flyers the women's basketball team you know mm-hmm. I was so grateful to go um and spend a week with them in Tassie last year for the Indigenous round you know I designed their jersey and had such a strong connection with them and just spending that time it's like like I never would have dreamed of this when I was a little kid you know yeah but I could be yeah living this amazing um life and meeting really interesting people um and I guess connecting with other women who are doing the same sort of thing and then Mm. just the experience of the flyers, like these are young female professional athletes and learning that, you know, the disparity in their pay rate, Mm. what the men earn and, you know, I'm not a raving feminist, but, um, you know, just little things like that, I guess it's it's an eye-opener and you don't Mm. sort of pay much attention to it until you're, get to see it up close and personal, like how hard they work and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I love I love that there's an element of like um, being able to support other women mm. in what I do and being a role model for, for young girls as well to just to have a go at, have a go at things and yeah. don't let your own self like hold you back because mm. we do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's something that has frustrated me about myself for a lot of years, like my own like, oh, insecurities. I'm like, oh, I don't think I can do that. So, yeah, I think just, but, you know, that comes with age, doesn't it? When oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Eventually get to that stage where you're like, no, nah, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Yeah. I feel like. The, in your 40s, you literally don't give a toss. You're just going to do what you want. You don't care what people think anymore. You know, you've gone through those years of worrying what what people, judgment's going to be. You're like, nah, I'm just going to do stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yep, absolutely. That's, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So I guess in terms of projects coming up, um, yeah, I've got lots of schoolwork that I'm really excited about. Um, I've got a trip to the Northern Territory for early childhood education, yeah. um, which, like, that's amazing just to connect with other educators and hear hear about different things that they're doing. Um, I've been quietly working away, I guess, at some early childhood resources as well. Just oh, awesome. That we know, like, your inner service things that I would want to use and I'm like, oh, they don't, it's, it's not here. So, you know, mm-hmm. how can I create something that will fill that space? Mm, that's exciting. Um, yeah. The other stuff I can't really talk about. It's <laughs> all right. Damn it. <laughs> we understand. You just have to keep an eye on you. Are you on Instagram or Facebook? Where are you most active? Yeah, online? I'm on all of those things. On both, yeah. yeah on, the, on the socials. Yeah, beautiful. Yep. I'll put um, links in the show notes of your all your socials and things so people can find you. But I have got my work in some galleries um, around the place, which is like I'm really lucky to have their support and their sort of promotion as well. And then, yeah, I sort of have my print work and all that sort of stuff through my website. Um, Mm -hmm. But I guess the big thing at the moment is um, 
yeah, launching uh, my fabric. So I was, that's a childhood <laughs> dream and that's sort of happening. And Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, wow, there's a lot to learn. Like, um, and being, you know, very environmentally conscious and, you know, wanting to know the supply chain and all of that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. that's been a very steep um, learning curve. Um, just, yeah, huge loads of information that you have to try and absorb and then work out which direction you want to go in. But, mm-hmm. gee, it's like it's a it's a whole feeling when you wear something that you have designed yourself. Like that's just. Yeah, that would just about top it off, wouldn't it? That would just yeah, be the, yeah. the best. And I think, you know, having that. Like watching my nan sew with all those beautiful fabrics all those years ago is just kind of stuck oh, with me that, like, yeah. that's something I always wanted to do. And now I've realised that. It's like, wow, like, <laughs> it's happening. Oh, congratulations. That is exciting. <laughs> so that people can see that through your website as well. That's all yeah, on yep. there. Beautiful. Yep. That's awesome. No, oh, thank you. It's been lovely to chat with you. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's, yeah, I love your work. Thanks for your company today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to consider leaving us a review, following or subscribing to the podcast, or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us by the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.